1: Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Look what free speech has gotten you, right? And, and if free speech is going to bring a Hitler to power, are you still going to defend the rights
0: of those people to speak? If you talk about the things that affect your daily life. The secret to being a good actor. I don't really care, actually, whether Britain remains Britain. His dad was actually murdered in front of him. Marine Le Pen has changed the Pont National. If it's like kind of like a documentary investigative reporting serialized true crime, that often gets into questions about the justice system or the media in an uncertain world, there's always music which you can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where you speak to friends and interesting people, so the backdrop of great tunes, and allocate 15 minutes to vote. Good question. Really good question. This podcast is a Royfield brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, no, no. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem. He said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to. A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny. Hello, listener. Did you know you could advertise your product or service on this show? It's part of the Agora Podcast Network and they specialise in producing intelligent, independent podcasts. Cumulatively, the network has just under 1 million downloads a month, so that's a lot of downloads. Um, you can contact us if you've got a product or a service you would like to hawk by going onto their website, which is the agorapodcastnetwork.com. Plug over. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. I'm Roy Phil Brown in a very wet and rainy San Francisco Bay Area. Today I'm joined by Gleb Sipersky, the co-founder of the Pro-Truth Pledge. In a week that British intelligence officers have accused Russia of using hundreds of fake accounts to tweet about Brexit, we look at the psychology around fake news and the demonizing of legitimate media scrutiny. Hello, Gleb, how are you?
1: It's a pleasure to be on, Roy Field. Thank you for having me.
0: No worries. So Gleb poses somewhat of a a timely missive. Are we facing a systematic danger to our democracy? With the Alabama front-running Senate candidate, Roy Moore, calling the Washington Post fake news after the newspaper published a thorough investigative report of his sexual improprieties. He forms just a part of a broader pattern of prominent public figures using the label of fake news to denounce mainstream media stories they do not like. Examples include the film director Harvey Weinstein accusing the New York Times of publishing fake news when they revealed his sexual improprieties or the Kentucky governor Matt Bevin accusing the Courier-Journal of being fake news when they reported what appeared to be a bribe to him. Good evening, we begin tonight with more breaking news about Roy Moore, the Alabama U.S. Senate candidate accused of being a child molester by a woman who says he initiated a sexual encounter with her when she was just 14 years old. Moore is speaking out today with the Republican Party split over what to say and do about him. The president has not called on Moore to leave the race. Former presidential candidates Mitt Romney and John McCain have, and two other GOP senators have just pulled their endorsements, conservatives Mike Lee of Utah and Steve Daines of Montana. However, for the moment, Alabama Republicans are largely standing by. Moore. Some even using the Bible to explain his alleged sexual contact with a 14 year old. As we said, Moore is speaking out. Today on Sean Hannity's radio show, he called Lee Korfman's allegations completely false. But his recollection of his dating history with teenage girls is raising some eyebrows. Listen. Do you remember dating girls that young at that time? Not generally,
1: no. But- if I did, you know, I'm not going to dispute anything, but I don't remember anything like that.
0: So, Gleb. You're the founder of the Pro-Truth Pledge, what exactly is that?
1: The Pro-Truth Pledge at ProTruthPledge.org, again that's dot org is an effort to get everyone, public figures and private citizens alike, to unite around truth and facts and fight against fake news and alternative facts, including the kind of efforts that Russia is doing to undermine UK and US democracy, and the kind of efforts that Roy Moore and those who support him are doing to undermine credible news stories.
0: OK, so we kind of get the the feeling that fake news is a very new phenomenon, but it does have, dare I say, a long and, and studied history. You know, back in the 19th century, it was called yellow journalism. Or is it just propaganda? What is so dangerous about fake news now?
1: So what's really dangerous about fake news now is that private citizens themselves are major creators of fake news due to the power of social media, something that's completely different than the yellow journalism of the 1900s and so on. Private citizens didn't have an opportunity to participate in the conversations of the media at that time. They can only read the papers and believe what they say, or not believe what they say, but that's what they could do. They couldn't be producers themselves. Now we have a different situation. We have a media environment in the form of digital media where people can share whatever information they want. And predatorial powers like Russia and other powers that want to influence public opinion are setting up completely false information sites that have absolutely no accurate information. They're just meant to spread propaganda and allowing private citizens to share this information. For example, in the 2016 election, in the three months prior to the election, there was a study of the top 20 fake news stories and the comparison of the top 20 fake news stories to the top 20 real news stories are shared on Facebook, engaged within Facebook by ordinary citizens. And the study found that the top 20 real news stories from venues like The Guardian or The Wall Street Journal or The New York Times, got about 7 million engagements on Facebook, which means comments, shares, and likes. While the top 20 fake news stories you know, from Russian propaganda sites and other propaganda sites got 8 million engagements. So fake news is dominating the real news ecosystem.
0: Now, following months of allegations of Russian meddling in elections in America and across Europe, a member of the UK's Labour Party has now called for a probe into alleged interference in last year's Brexit referendum. Well, for more on this, let's cross live now to RT's Anastasia Cherkina in London. Well, hi there, Nastia. So what was said exactly during the parliamentary session? Well, Kate, another day, another attempt to implicate Russia in something. Here in Westminster, we did hear
1: this call to investigate Russia's alleged potential involvement in the outcome of the Brexit referendum by those who are unhappy with the way it turned out. Specifically, this was seen from Labour MP and former Culture Secretary Ben Bradshaw, who had this to say.
0: Given the widespread (coughs) public concern over foreign and particularly Russian interference in Western democracies, will she assure this House... But the government and the Electoral Commission will examine these reports very carefully and reassure our country that all of the resources spent in the referendum were from permissible sources. Yeah. How much of this is just a consequence of a lack of regulation for, let's say, social media? How much of this is entrepreneurial people, whether they're sat in uh, Uh, click farms or troll farms in Macedonia or in St. Petersburg, uh, realising that, you know what, if you give something an attractive, seductive title, people will click on it. Isn't this all just going to go away in a few years when we discover, you know what, we need a few standards around this. And the social media industry says, right, Okay, there was something that happened in the 2016 election, won't happen again. Etc. Uh, Etc. Et Aren't we just going through a hiccup of history?
1: Really, we will not go through this hiccup of history. We are entering a brave new world where traditional news media are becoming less and less legitimate. Uh, the, the legitimization of the traditional news media in the U.S. at least has been happening from the 1960s when Richard Nixon began an attack on the news media. So you have fever. You had a support. Uh, of news media at something like 70-ish percent where people trusted the news media which deteriorated slowly over time to around uh, something in the high 50s uh, in the late 19 in the late 1990s but then in the social media age it rapidly decreased so right in, right now if we look at let's say just the republican support for news media, it's as low as in the high teens. So it's really low. That's, uh, you know, the, the traditional mainstream media are considered the fourth estate because of their importance to shaping public discourse. And this lack of trust due to the ability of people to get so information through social media is not going to change. That's one thing that's not going to change. The other thing that's not going to change is that, social media giants are incredibly reluctant to institute regulations and rules. It was incredibly obvious that Russia and other powers were manipulating the election process early on in the primary, not in 2016. In Brexit, that was pretty obvious as well. And you know what? The social media giants didn't do anything because it benefits their bottom line. Russia is paying for advertisements and other people are paying for advertisements, they're using Facebook and Twitter, and Twitter and Facebook and Google are getting money out of it, out of these advertisements. Why would they change? You know,
0: but, but surely one of the reasons for change now is because the gig is up. People realise the, not necessarily the extent, but realise there at least has been some Russian meddling, not only in the US election, but also in the Brexit yes. referendum. So if that, if that gig is up, There has to be at least some level of um, self-regulation, if not state regulation.
1: Well, so there's a famous phrase that you'll never lose betting uh, on people's stupidity. And that's an unfortunate phrase, but it's a true one. I think uh, you will find if you go to average show on the street, relatively few of them know and are aware of the extent of fake news and Russian meddling and so on. It's not a topic that's really that's very esoteric, it's complex. people don't want to pay attention to it and Facebook and Google aren't really being pressed that hard to do something about it, especially in the US where the Trump administration has come to power in part due to the meddling in uh, the by Russia. and I think you won't find that much efforts made in the UK since brexit was enabled in part by Russia and the current government of the in the UK is a result of Brexit. So there is a self-interest on the part of both the current UK government and the current US government of not looking too hard on what happened in 2016 in the Brexit or the US elections.
0: Isn't one of the problems with fake news is that there is a business model around it, clickbait, to see that provocative headline. But also, isn't it just the fact that it's just good entertainment? And I, and I, I use this as a, as a way of evidence. And I don't want to get too mixed up between fake news and punditry, but there is a blurred line where somebody's opinion and their, their gut bleeds out over uh, informed fact. But my grandfather, uh, 20 plus years ago. I, I came to visit him in New Orleans and he was listening to this guy rant and rave on the radio. And I said, why are you listening to this rubbish? And he said, the man's an idiot, but it's entertaining. Is there is there not an element of truth in that, that somebody like Alex Jones, I don't necessarily find him entertaining, but some people do. And some people watch him with a nod and a wink. And don't you think that some parts of the mid- liberal media probably overestimating the true power of uh, some of these peddlers of, let's say, malleable facts.
1: So I think uh, what you're saying is accurate, that people are watching it with entertainment in mind. And a lot of people similarly watch Donald Trump and partially elected him because he is much more entertaining than the other candidates. And this is a good question do we really want our politicians and our providers of news to be entertaining or do we want them to be bored? Do we want them to just provide spin and entertainment and opinions or do we want them to provide facts? Now, we should not have a political system that's going to be entertaining, just like we shouldn't have a banking system that's going to be entertaining and we shouldn't have an insurance system that's going to be entertaining. Do we want our accountant to you know, to put on a clown nose and dance in front of us to get our business? No, we don't. We want our accountant to be competent, and we want our insurance, you know, person to be competent. We want our real estate person to be competent. We want our bankers to be competent. We but should want the, our politicians
0: no, Cleve, but here's to be competent. The thing, Glad, <laughs> uh, one thing. There's one thing to talk about our politicians. But if you're living in. Uh, a media landscape where there are literally 30 different uh, places to go to get the news, to get the spoken mm-hmm. news. If I'm one of those purveyors of that news, I've got to tell it, spin it, deliver it in a slightly different way. Don't yes. I? I... And if I can maybe do it with, with a, with a nod and a wink and with uh you know, a bit of a smile and maybe a joke, I'm going to get annoyed. Oh,
1: absolutely. And you should definitely do it with a wink and a smile, uh, but not with falsehoods, not with lies. And that's the key difference. That's one of the things that the Pro-Truth Pledge is meant to combat, because people who are credible purveyors of information, there are are definitely comedians who took the Pro-Truth Pledge. And they took the Pro-Truth Pledge because now they can have the label on their website, the seal on their website, that says hey i took the pro truth pledge hold me accountable and they know that if they provide false facts as part of their comedy routine they'll be held accountable and their listeners know that too so wouldn't you prefer to listen to somebody who's you know a nice fun funny comedian and is also providing you with accurate information as opposed to feed, feed, you know feeding you some bs that they want you to believe just in order to manipulate you
0: Okay, let's go back a step because you said that um, trust in the in the media in the fourth estate has been declining yes. in the US since the nineteen sixties. Um, I'm sure if I was to do a similar a, a similar comparison with the UK, it'd probably be round about. You know, the, the, it would have started round about the same time. So. I don't think we can necessarily blame Nixon for this per se, because I know Churchill used to rail against uh, the British press at, at, at times, and I'm sure numerous other American presidents have done so as well. You know, Theodore Roosevelt got very close to the American press because he realised kind of how how important it was. Uh, previous previous presidents had had a much more uh, ambivalent relationship with with the Fourth Estate. Why has this happened? Why has this happened throughout the whole of the Western world? So that in 2017, 2016, 2015, um, our trust is so eroded with people calling themselves journalists, or at least impartial givers of news, so that um, a gentleman can be running for the Senate in Alabama, he can be accused of or at least he has at least four or five, possibly even six now accusers saying that he chased them when he was uh, a man in his thirties and they were below the age of consent and people don't necessarily believe the Washington Post. Why have we got to where we are? The statute of limitations has passed this will not see the inside of a courtroom. So it really comes down to who do Alabama voters believe, and that might have a lot to do with why Roy Moore is choosing to stay in the race.
1: This is a country based on justice and on a person's innocent until proven guilty, and that stuff needs to sort
0: itself out. If he, he went to the Lord, whatever, and asked for forgiveness for that, and, and hasn't done anything like that, in, since then, I believe that if the good Lord's forgiven and as a Christian, I have to forgive him also. I'm not going to vote for him because I'm a Democrat, but I've known him a long, long time. The thing that bothers me about those charges is that he's been in public life running for many offices, and as many times as this happened, no one's ever said anything until now. And I don't think it comes from any place except Washington.
1: So a major reason why we got to where we are is social media. Previously, people didn't really have a chance to you know, get away from mainstream media as a source of information. So that's a major...
0: But social media, per se, cannot be the, the whole answer, because you said there's been a decline... There has over been the last
1: a decline. 50 right. years. So, so talking about that, the recent been... decline, I'm talking about the okay. recent decline. So previously... There was a decline as well, and that decline was there partially because of concentrated effective attacks on the media. So this is something that's quite different about Nixon than about other presidents. He has actually made a specific effort to attack media. If we look at his documentation, he has specifically lined out a strategy of attacking media, and you can see a difference from that point. In terms of whether Republicans trust the media and Democrats trust the media, Republicans were consistently had lower trust for the media. So that's one. Second, there has—it's a part of a broader decrease in trust for our current institutions. So for there was a decrease in trust in government in general, in experts in general, and so on, over this period of time, uh, through the ni- late 1990s. So from the early. From the post World War II period, the immediate years post World War II, to the early 1990s, there has generally been, you know, fluctuating, but a somewhat of a decrease in trust in our institutions, basic civic institutions. So that helps explain what is happening to the media as well.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready
1: to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?
0: Okay, so there's this wider breakdown in trust in our institutions throughout the Western world, Mm -hmm. and but specifically how this has come to bite us in the bum now is looking at the fact that somewhere like America, Mm -hmm. um, people are now identity, basically identity politics really identity politics is so come to the fore that people do not trust the news or the information that they're given. If it comes from a source which they say doesn't, they do not identify with.
1: Yes, this is a really complex phenomenon that we can get to with the Washington Post. As you said, there are now, last I checked, there are seven women who have come forward to accuse the Alabama uh, senator, um, Senate candidate Roy Moore, who's a frontrunner for the Senate there, of various forms of sexual impropriety, sexual immorality, and harassment you know, below age of consent and so on. So that's clear that these accusations are there. And the Washington Post did a really thorough, credible newspaper investigation uh, when it published these reports. And you can see that immediately after the Washington Post published, there were already a number of prominent Republicans who called on Roy Moore to withdraw. People like Senator John McCain, for example, called on Roy Moore to withdraw. Immediately uh, afterward, there were several people who withdrew their endorsements, such as Montana Senator Steve Daines and Utah Senator Mike Lee. Now, soon after the Washington Post published its uh, information, a fifth woman stepped forward to accuse Moore. Then at that point, Senate Majority Leader, Republican Mitch McConnell, stated that Moore should step aside, and so did Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. So prominent Republicans gave credibility to the washington post they know how credible it is they know that this uh, this is a highly credible newspaper but if you look at what's happening with other people in the republican party that's not what's happening with the republican base republican voters are still supportive of more there are more extreme republicans people like stephen bannon former trump advisor and head of breitbart and uh, republican Corey stewart and the whole Alabama state party just said today that they're still standing behind Roy Moore and they want him to be their candidate. So you could see that there's a split in the Republican Party, that some of the prominent, most prominent Republicans are asking for more to go, but the Republican base and the more extremist Republicans are not. And so here we get into the, this is not simply an, an ideological thing of, you know, which tribe are you? Are you the Republican tribe or not? This is a question of credibility. Do we want our democracy to function in such a way that if a newspaper reveals something really problematic in a very credible fashion, as the Washington Post did, do we want to allow that newspaper to be called fake news, as some Republicans would wish to? Or do we want that newspaper to be trusted and to then for the candidates to accept that and as a problem as Rui Moore refuses to do. So this is a basic fundamental okay. question that we're facing.
0: I, I agree with you. I, I absolutely do agree with you, but it's my job to pay devil's advocate here a little. Please. Um, number one, how much of this is just pure misogyny? I.e. people saying, ah, so, okay, so we... He, he maybe dated this girl when he's in his 30s and she was 16. Big deal. How much of it is that? And then with the response of the Republicans, I think it's very interesting that a lot of the way this is broken, let's put Steve Bannon to one side just for now. Sure. But Mitch McConnell has very clearly said, you need to stand down. Because one thing he doesn't want is for the for the Republicans' majority, rep, the Republicans' majority, sorry, in the Senate to be lost by uh, there being a, an upset in Alabama and all of a sudden a Democrat get 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 elected. So it's within his interest as soon as there's any whiff uh, of anything to to say, well, you know what, the politics of this say you need to step down because Alabama is a pure red state. Okay, so how much of this is is expediency? How much of this? is misogyny.
1: Hmm. So it's a good question of, of the misogyny. Recently in the United States, we've had a very powerful campaign of um, people identifying women, identifying themselves as victims of sexual abuse and coming forward, the Me Too campaign, hashtag Me Too. And this is part, I see this as part of the trend, and I'm really glad that more people are stepping forward to address the misogyny that's present in the U.S., However, I don't think that there's anything particular or, you know, there's no reason why the Alabama state party has to be more misogynistic or less than people like Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, you know, putting Mitch McConnell aside or Stephen Bannon aside. We have a number of people who in the Republican Party could typically use the tactic of fake news against the media. And Stephen Bannon is part of this wing. And so is Donald Trump. Who has not spoken out anything about uh, about uh, Roy Moore? Well, Mitch McConnell, John McCain, Mike Lee, and others, Paul Ryan, including Paul Ryan, are people who actually want to preserve the importance of facts and truth in our democracy. So this is a kind of a split within the party itself. It's an it's uh, not an ideological split, not in terms of you know. They're all going to agree on lower taxes and no abortion. But this is a question of democracy. Do we want our democracy to continue in such a way that we value facts and truth? Or do we want to value ideology above democracy? And this, valuing ideology above democracy, above facts and truth, is highly dangerous to our future. Because we already have a number of examples of other people like Governor Matt Bevin, who we can talk about, trying to use the same tactics of accusing newspapers of being fake news when they publish reports of his corruption, of his likely bribe-taking. So this is a very dangerous tendency because if we allow people to get away with calling high-credibility journalists and their publications fake news, we open up the door to... Not simply sexual misconduct, which is terrible, but fundamental corruption, abuse of power, bribery and other such problems. And there are a number of Republicans who don't want that to happen.
0: Very quickly, do you think that one of the reasons why Donald Trump has been remarkably quiet on this is because he knows that as soon as if he was to castigate Roy Moore for this level of impropriety, people just point the finger at him
1: absolutely i mean donald trump is uh, you know so to say the godfather of calling uh, newspapers that publish stories that he doesn't like fake news he's called a lot of newspapers fake news he's called a lot of tv channels fake news just because they broadcast things that he doesn't like Sir, since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Go since ahead. you're no, Mr. President-elect, go, elect. go Mr. ahead. president President-elect, since you are attacking no, our news not organization, not can you give us a chance? Your you're, you are attacking our, our news organization. Can you give up. us a chance Let's to go. ask go a, question, sir, stay, can, elect, a question, sir? Sir, can you state,
0: Mr. President-elect? Can you state categorically, Mr. President-elect?
1: Can you give us a question? You're attacking us. Can you give us a question? Don't be. Rude.
0: Can you give us a question? I'm not going to give you a question. Can you state Can you stay categorically? You are fake
1: news, sir. And the same way that Ryan Moore is now using Donald Trump's tactic to try to get away with sexual impropriety, sexual harassment, sexual assault, the way that Kentucky Governor Matt Devin is trying to use it to get away with corruption and abuse of power. And the way that Harvey Weinstein, the Democrat, has tried to use it to get away with his own sexual impropriety that was reported on by the New York Times. So this is a you know, this is something that Democrats have as I...
0: well. I, I want to be a defender of Harvey Weinstein, mm-hmm. but the, the only difference that I can really see with this is that um, his defence that these allegations were false lasted for a matter of hours. And then, then he's caved, hasn't he? He said, I go, I need help, whereas Roy Moore is sticking his neck mm-hmm. out and saying, no, this is absolutely, uh, all these allegations are false. Though, he doesn't absolutely category, categorically deny that he found that he, he found uh, teenage girls attractive. He's never actually said mm. that, you know. He, but he's actually said these allegations are actually false. But it, here's something which um, I'd like you to shine a little bit of a light on. Why is it that whether we're looking at uh, the UK? And Brexit, and and Brexit basically breaks as being a right-left issue broadly in the in the UK. It isn't completely right-left, but broadly it is. Um, why is it that whether it's in the UK or the US, it seems to be right-leaning uh, voters who are more susceptible to conspiracy theories and fake news?
1: It, this is a really interesting question because studies reveal exactly what you're saying that. There's a certain tendency that we have of Republicans, of conservatives, being much more likely to share fake news for some reason. So there's a study that was conducted right before the 2016 election, which showed that Republicans, uh, that there were something like 30 fake news shared on Facebook in the three months before the election. 30 million of them were pro-Trump, and only 8 million were pro-Hillary. So we can see that Republicans have a much greater tendency to share fake news. Now, why is that? I'm not completely sure. We do know that science denialism correlates strongly with sharing fake news, and that tends to run much more among Republicans than among Democrats. And the same might well apply to the UK situation, kind of science denialism, denial of various truth you know, science is the best way that we as human beings have of discovering the truth. So science and lionism would correlate with kind of conservative perspectives. And then that would correlate with sharing fake news.
0: Do you think that what fake news does, it validates our prejudices? So and maybe those people on the right are right here in that broadly our media is liberal, and i don 't mean that um, ABC was saying in two thousand and five let's be pro gay marriage but it but it but you look at you look at the news media and there is some token of diversity. You see black and brown faces presenting the news um, they talk about issues from other perspectives than just the mainstream people who are let 's say poor and brown and black uh, might say, not enough. But those voices are there. So if you take it that broadly, um, in in any democracy in the Western world, that the media is liberal with a small L, it kind of makes sense that if you do not sign up to those tenants, that you then uh, try and find uh, voices that actually are against that. And invariably, those are the voices of um, Alec Jones and Infowars, et cetera. And, it, and then it validates your own prejudices. So maybe that that's exactly what it is, that actually there isn't a reason necessarily for people on the left, who are broadly on the left, or and also on the centre, to, to sign up to this.
1: So we do have as human beings have a psychological phenomenon called confirmation bias that Mm -hmm. generally tends uh, that we tend to look for information that conforms to our beliefs and share that information, as opposed to changing our beliefs based on new information that we get, which is the rational true for you thing to do. But the crucial difference here with what you're saying is that if you are correct, then People on the right would have gone to venues like Wall Street Journal or Fox News or National Review, which share generally factual information, not fake news. Fake news is completely made up stuff. Now, you have, you wouldn't have the popularity on the left, then, of venues that share a lot of misinformation, such as Occupy Democrats. OccupyDemocrats.com is one of the more popular websites on the far left, and it frequently shares completely complete baloney, complete misinformation. On the right, you have venues like Breitbart.com and InfoWars, which, again, share real misinformation. But you have their equivalent, even though they're not as popular, on the left. So if people on the right wanted a different perspective, there are plenty of right-oriented media venues. In fact, the most popular U.S. Cable channel news show is on Fox News. Various Fox News networks, they're the most popular. People can watch those, and those have generally credible news to reportage. They're not fake news. So I would question whether it's the fact that conservatives are unable to find uh, their perspectives. We actually have uh, information from people who produce fake news, who produce complete baloney, made-up information, saying um, that they try to produce fake news for liberals, but liberals generally engage in more fact-checking and debunking. These are tendencies that are much more prevalent among liberals, which correlates with a more science-oriented, reason-oriented perspective. So it's much less lucrative and uh, much less effective to produce fake news for liberals, although, of course, it does happen. If we remember the statistic I shared earlier – Liberals did share 8 million stories compared to 30 million for Conservatives. So this is a comparison.
0: Okay, so what you're saying is that um, people on the extreme right, it's more of a, a gut reaction, uh, whereas where some somebody who is at the centre or maybe slightly to the left, they see a headline, they don't necessarily react with their gut, but they're much more dispassionate about it. And, and then we'll look at uh, wider, uh, look at other media sources then to see if that thing is actually true.
1: Yes. So this is the tendency. Far from everyone follows this tendency, as we saw. Uh-huh. But this is the tendency. This is what the research reveals. And this is part of the effort. Uh, this is part of why we at the Pro-Truth Pledge, at pro Pledge at are trying to get everyone on the right and on the left to commit to truth-oriented behaviours, We have a number of politicians who signed across the political spectrum. Journalists signed, a number of public figures like Steven Pinker and Peter Singer, Jonathan Haidt, uh, Michael Shermer, and plenty of others, public intellectuals who have signed. And it's an effort to get everyone to agree to commit to truth-oriented behaviours above all, regardless of our personal uh, predilections.
0: Let's say if George Roy Moore turns around tomorrow and says yes I did this but I but I need forgiveness and understanding if I am somebody who's believed him up until now how do I then psychologically then process that how do how do I make sense out of Sean Hannity and his rants and his monologues doesn't that because that's not gonna the, the evidence seems to be to me that those people then just kind of shrug that off and just go on to to the next thing to rail against. Mm -hmm. Um, Tell me about the psychological process when you realize that you've literally backed the wrong horse.
1: So this is a really interesting psychological process. And uh, there was a study done of what happened with people who supported Nixon in the early uh, 1970s when Nixon's Watergate involvement was discovered. It was found that people who really invested their identity into Nixon, really passionately believed in him, they often changed their perspectives on other issues as well. So, for example, uh, some people, a number, of, large number of people who are anti-abortion, when they changed their minds about Nixon and Watergate, they became pro-choice. So they went from a pro-life to a pro-choice position. We have a psychological phenomenon in our minds, another one, that's called the halo and horns effect. So the halo effect, the halo and horns effect basically causes us to like whatever uh, other attributes. If we like one attribute of someone, we will like that person's other attributes. That's the halo effect. And it's opposite is the horns effect. If we don't like one attribute of someone, we will not like that attribute of of that person. You can see it in, you know, kind of the Hitler arguments on uh, various forums. Oh, you know, Hitler did that, so therefore you're bad. Um, In the same way, if Roy Moore goes ahead and says, you know, hey, I'm a terrible person, I did these things, then a number of his supporters will likely reject other positions held by Roy Moore just because Roy Moore ha- held them. So n- currently, they're supportive of those positions because Roy Moore holds them. Now, if they have a negative opinion of Roy Moore, they will be less likely to support those positions. It's the way the human brain
0: works. Okay. So uh, just, just to start to wrap up, uh, Gleb, uh, tell me a little, you've, you've mentioned it a few times, but tell me a little bit more about, not just the work of the Pro-Truth um, Pledge, but also the, the Tell me about the reasons why you decided uh, to set it up and tell us about what the future holds for the organization.
1: So we decided to set it up because we saw that in our current news ecosystem, we didn't have a way of differentiating between the truth tellers and the liars. We have this organization in the U.S. called the Better Business Bureau, which basically gives uh, honest businesses, ethical businesses a label that uh, they're a better business bureau member, and it holds them accountable for honest business practices. There's no similarity for public figures, for honesty. So that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to get a pledge, the Pro-Truth Pledge at protruthpledge.org, where everyone, private citizens and public figures alike, could commit to honest, truth-oriented behaviors. And there's 12 behaviors, things like fact-check information to confirm it's true before accepting and sharing it, Things like ask people to retract information as reliable sources of disproved, even if they are my allies, and celebrate those who retract incorrect statements and update their beliefs toward the truth. So the more private citizens, every one of your listeners, goes and signs it, the more reasons public figures have to go and sign it, because they know that people care and their information of those public figures will be sent to private citizens who signed the Pro-Truth Pledge. In turn, private citizens hold public figures accountable. There is a clear accountability and evaluation mechanism that's part of the pledge. And the future for the pro Pledge is to get more and more people to sign up, partially by spreading the word and partially by going individually to these people and asking them to sign up. You know, just today, the pro Pledge was highlighted in an article in The Guardian. You know, so it's kind of having international re- impact And we've had politicians across the U.S. and now starting in Canada and hopefully soon the U.K. signing the Pro-Truth Pledge. And the goal is to hold these people accountable and we really hope that more people will sign it and that every one of your listeners will sign it and choose to be part of the solution in addressing the problematic aspect of fake news and post-truth politics.
0: And as uh, we are coming up to Thanksgiving we do need to sit down and engage with that crotchety old uncle who's somewhat bigoted and we we need to um lay out uh, truth and facts to him.
1: yes and this was actually a nice opportunity we encourage people to before they have that another conversation on thanksgiving with their uncle to ask the uncle to take the pro-truth pledge with them and see if the uncle would be willing to do that and that will give you a, equal base for discussion and orientation toward facts and truth as opposed to arguing about you know what the facts are.
0: Gleb where are you going to be Thanksgiving?
1: I will actually be going to help a friend so I had a friend close friend who had a baby recently and so my wife and I we're both friends with her we'll be taking over a Thanksgiving meal to uh, this friend of ours and eating it with her and her baby.
0: Gleb Sipersky, thank you for coming on to Mid-Atlantic. You are the co-founder of the Pro-Truth Pledge. Um, thank you for um, shining a light on to the psychology and to some of the, the, the nefarious ways that fake news is spread. Let's hope that um, truth will always out.
1: Thank you, Royfield. And I hope that you too, as a public figure yourself, consider taking the Pro-Truth Pledge as well.
0: Give me that link, sir. I'll, I'll sign up.
1: Excellent. It's ProTruthPledge.org, and I will email it to you as well. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less in similar brands.